This is Hashtag Symbio with me, your host, Zeeshan. And today's theme is Art and Design Symbio. And I'm joined by the wonderful Karen Ingram. Karen is a creative director, designer, and artist. She was introduced to the world of Symbio when she attended a bacterial photography class at MIT. That class was run by Dr. Natalie Kuldell, who is the president and founder of the BioBuilder Educational Foundation, who are dedicated to converting cutting-edge science and engineering into teachable modules, fostering an engaged community, and increasing understanding of these fields. So Karen worked with BioBuilder on the synthetic biology in the lab textbook. Since then, Karen has undertaken many Synbio projects in public engagement, DIY bio, and creative strategy. This has led to Karen becoming one of the world's leading Synbio designers, and I can't wait to talk to her about this journey. Let's begin. So the first question I wanted to ask you was, how were you introduced to the field of synthetic biology, and what was the first ever illustration you made related to this field? Well, they're interconnected. I was first introduced to synthetic biology through um, an event series that I hosted in Brooklyn called the Empiricist League, and that was a series that it was sort of, it was a science cabaret. So that means that we would get people from various field, fields of science to talk about topics like food or um, love or human enhancement. And, and one of the founders of GenSpace spoke at, um, at the event series and I just got like super interested in, in the space and started helping out with this bio art exhibit which led me to Natalie Kuldell's classroom at MIT, where she was teaching the picture, this bacterial photography lab. And the idea was for the art exhibit, it was called Cut, Paste, Grow. And it was, like I said, it was at GenSpace. So the idea was we were gonna get a, an example of bacterial photography for, for the art exhibit. And so I went with one of the other people who was working on the exhibit and we did the lab and along with the students and my Petri dish didn't turn out. It the students' dishes turned out fine, but mine didn't. And, you know, I, I think I, I didn't, I didn't know why it didn't work out, but I was super inspired by the whole process and by the students' work and just by being there by Natalie's teaching. And so I, I just kind of took it upon myself to, to read the papers, even though I didn't really understand the terminology. I mean, I don't have any synthetic, bio, like formal synthetic biology background. I, I just, I was curious and I had taken some classes at GenSpace, but at this point I had taken some classes at GenSpace. Um, yeah, so I, I made this diagram that sort of explained the process of bacterial photography and, and how Natalie taught it in the classroom. And published a little article about it on the GenSpace blog and she saw it and I guess she saw it as something that would be relevant to how she communicated through BioBuilder and I didn't know it at the time but she was working on pitching a book to O'Reilly and she um, asked me if I wanted to be a part of it and I was like absolutely of course you know but I was like but you know <laughs> that I'm not a scientist you know and that I, I don't <laughs> I don't really actually understand this research I, I had just gone through and color-coded the paper in order to make the graphic because I, I didn't I didn't understand the terms but I mean we worked together we worked with Katie Hart and Rachel Bernstein and made the book and it was it was fantastic like it was so so fun to work with them and um, so exciting to see it come together so yeah that's the that's the long answer <laughs> Let's focus on the BioBuilder book. Um, so yeah. it's called the BioBuilder Synthetic Biology in the Lab 
uh, book and you worked on the illustrations. How, how do you start working on a book? Like what's the first step? Like I presume it would initially be like Natalie and the other authors trying to integrate sort of their curriculum into the book and look at which topics they want to cover and, you know, the target audiences of the book. Um, and then they come to you and what's, where do you start as, as an artist, as an illustrator in a field you've, you're not a trained biologist or a scientist. Initially, it would definitely be intimidating. It was super intimidating for sure at first, but you know, Natalie had been teaching the labs for several years. And so she had, um, really excellent documentation about them and she'd been using visual assets. And so I think, I think what it came down to was it was actually a a really efficient process. It was really cool. Um, They formatted, well, she had formatted everything in like a word document and we went through it together. We had like hour long meetings, I think maybe every two weeks or something. I don't know. They were, they were exactly an hour. They started exactly on time. And if one person couldn't make it, the meeting was rescheduled, you know? So it was a very, very efficient process. And we would go through um, the document and we would do it together as a group. And then we would go back on our own. And, you know, so I would look through the documents and like, look at some, some previous examples that she'd used for illustrations and come up with my own ideas, you know, and suggest tweaks. And then we go through it as a group and, and, I would give them iterations in the interim, you know, so she had references previously, but, but then there were also times when I would make a suggestion, you know, like maybe this could be illustrated in this way. And, and, you know, we talk it over and I try a few different iterations and, and that's pretty much how it all came about. It looks like you had plenty of opportunity to sort of integrate your perspective as a creative director in the illustrating and publishing process. And how long did it take from, I guess, the concept of the book? So when you first, when Natalie came to you, hey, I have this, I pitched this book to O'Reilly, I have this idea, and then to actually being published. What, what's, what was the time frame? It was published in July of 2016. And I went to her classroom in 2014. A year and a half, two years, it took a long time. You know, um, I mean, yeah. that, that's like a loose estimate estimation, but, but under two years, roughly. So, I mean, from, from the minute that I was like exposed to the picture of this lab, which inspired the collab, you know, or, or helped facilitate the collaboration, it was more than two years, you know, but, but it took, it actually took me a really long time to make that first graphic because I, I was trying to understand the terminology. And, and I was just like, I just don't get it. <laughs> like, like, I just, I was just trying to understand it. And I was like, I don't have the background to really, really understand what a lot of this stuff means. It's just going to take too much work to research it. So like I said, I just, I started color, color coding terminology. And I thought about what the function of each aspect was rather than what it did. You know, I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess the best way to describe it and the way I always think about it, it's like, it's like you're a DJ at a radio station. You don't know how to play every single instrument of every single rest record that you play, but you know how it kind of fits together. Like you have sort of like a, like an aerial view of like how things can fit together. And you know, sort of how you kind of know how it works. Like you use your own sort of knowledge base, but you're not a musician, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. You you know how to manufacture the thread that connects. Yes, you know how to how to make yeah. the thread and connect the dots yeah. and 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 create the space for for what you want to depict, but you don't 
you don't really know how each specific element works. So, yep. but now I know a whole heck of a lot more than I do. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, a, a lot more. Like working on that book was very illuminating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to uh, Genspace and yeah. the Empiricist League. Uh, you said there was one of the co-founders of Genspace. Yeah. Given a talk. Do you remember what the talk was about? Like, yeah, what was the talk about and what in particular about the talk made you uh, want to follow up, made you made your brain go, wait, wait, this is this is interesting. What's what's going on here? This is a new idea. Well, it was actually the topic was human enhancement. And it was it was a co-presentation. It was Wythe Marshall and Daniel Grushkin. And I worked with both of them on the cut past pace grow um, exhibit, but I think it was just talking to Dan about, I've always been interested in technology, you know, and coding and did a lot of dabbling in like Flash. And I'm actually in some books about Flash, the Macromedia Flash application. And I saw an opportunity in GenSpace to extend my knowledge to, or extend that curiosity into genetics. And so I mean, he encouraged me to go take a class. So I did, I took Ellen Jorgensen's um, biotech crash course and was incredibly awestruck and inspired by what I did in in Ellen's class. Um, And that would have been, that was in Brooklyn? Yeah. 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 Because I visited her during iGEM in 2018. Because I just found her contact details be like, hey, I'm an iGEMer. Can I just show up? She's like, yeah, just rock up. We'll show you the lab. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, okay. She's super generous in that way. Like she's she's always willing to talk to people about about it. So it's really cool. She was like very very inspiring to me. Okay, this is a bit of a a broad question. Okay. Or or maybe not. How would you describe yourself as an artist? Like, how would you define your style? Um, Or does that depend? I presume that would depend on the project you're you're working on. Um, This this question is actually from one of our graphic designers at. At, at iGEM who's working on like the website for this podcast and she's like oh, oh, I want to cool. you know know what her style is or how would she describe herself and as, as an artist so it's interesting yeah. cool I, I actually I thought about that a lot how to answer this question because I realized that I I have a style but I don't it's, it's just one of those things I guess I I see art and design as problem solving so if there's something that I wanted to pick I will go to the way that feels most naturally feels the most natural for me so you know for example like when I when I did the diagram that ended up a version ended up in the biobuilder book the picture this diagram I I went very graphic for the sake of clarity but when I a contrast to that is, you know, the work I did for Ginkgo or the work I do for Ginkgo, it's, mu- it's much more hand rendered because I think that it's interesting to, to think about the hand rendered aspect of synthetic biology, the fact that it, that it is human affected thing. And I, I like to include asymmetries. So, you know, designing and making work for the sake of clear communication, as I did for BioBuilder, is different from something that is more conveying concepts rather than more artful concepts. And this is sort of a tangent, but I feel like coming from the world of, of um, digital design, I did a lot of hand-drawn um, imagery. You know, back then people would say that it was analog style because it was made with colored pencils and magic markers and watercolors. And I always thought that was just kind of funny because I mean, yes, those are those are tangible analog elements, but 
And I, I mean, I, I like to keep those elements in my work whenever possible. I think it's important to remember that, you know, it's, it's handmade. So you've, you've been involved with a few different projects with Ginkgo and one of which was being an illustrator on the first issue, the nature issue of Grow by Ginkgo magazine. Yeah. It was really, really great. And I think you did the, yeah, you did the illustrations for the Genetic Sputniks mm-hmm. article written by Lewis Campos. For the audience, the article talks about how a symbio and astronomy are much closer fields than one would think because at root, they are part of the same project seeking to understand the prospects of life as it could be. So coming to the question, uh, how do you capture and translate a scientific story so that it can be communicated through illustrations? Like what's the creative process? Like what questions do you ask the writer or scientist? Like, is there a protocol? Can I have that protocol? Um, I, I presume it would be similar to like that exchange would be similar to something you did with Natalie and the other authors on the Biobuilder book with, if there's one specific story that the scientist is trying to tell, how would you, what's sort of your creative process? Yeah. Um, that particular article was different from Biobuilder in that I actually didn't talk to Lewis about um, his piece. I was working more directly with um, Christina at that time. Yep, and um, she's one of the uh, head editors yes, head of creative yeah. design at Ginkgo. Yep. Yeah, Christina and Grace um, are the the people that on the Ginkgo side that were working on on that. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd worked with Christina and Grace several times. Well, Christina, at least several times. And I think maybe that was one of the first times that I worked with Grace who, and she's incredible, but yeah, they, the way that that worked was they, they shared the article with me and I read it and I came up with some ideas and, and ran it past them. And what I was going for with that article was the idea that genetic information is, could be, you know, cross planet a cross-planet connection, a cross-planetary connection. So that's sort of what was inspired by. So, you know, you have like the image of the earth and Mars and they're kind of interconnected by the DNA double helix. And then you also have um, the microbes kind of in the middle sharing the space. And for, it's funny, cause like for the aesthetics for those illustrations, I mean, cause there are three of them, but um, the aesthetics, I kind of wanted to have like a, a 20th century color printer vibe, you know, a little bit like, cause you know, if you look at things that were printed in like the fifties or sixties, the colors are a little bit more, it feels like they're like the color saturation is different from the things that they're not as accurate and things kind of have like a red tinge to them. So I was kind of going for sort of like a retro vibe with that. And I did definitely like, while I was going through the article, um, the PDF version, the online PDF version, I did get that 20th century uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what to said red taint red. Oh, just like about how um, you know, like if if you look at like because I know what you mean, but I can't yeah. put words to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like it's like I mean, I guess the best way that when I think about it, I think about like looking at the cookbooks that my mom had when I was a kid. They all have kind of like a, a red tinge to them. You know, they all look a little like the color balance is not quite right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I I think it's cool. You know. <laughs> What has been the most challenging Symbio project you've worked on so far? Or if I want to rephrase it, what project has made you appreciate synthetic biology even more or helped you grow as a Symbio artist slash designer? 
I don't know. I think that's a good question. And I, I think it's hard for me to pinpoint because at first I was like, oh, biobuilder for sure. That was the most challenging because like, I really didn't know anything, you know? Um, it was also incredibly, of course, it was incredibly fun, but you know, recent it's, it's funny, I guess things have kind of come full circle in a way because recently I taught, um, a bio art class at GenSpace, and that was challenging too, you know, um, because I've, I turning to the side where you're, I taught a bio art class online, which would never have foreseen that I would do that, like, you know, several years ago, but it was, it was really fun and interesting. And I, I just, it's just really inspiring to work with people or to teach people about synthetic biology and how to be creative with it you know, so it's challenging, but in a really, really great way. And I worked with the um, amino kits on that. Um, that's been super fun too, like working with those kits. Cause I I've, I've been spending a lot of the recent months of the pandemic playing with them and it's, it's so much fun. You mentioned a bio art class. Are you well, planning on continuing that? I think that everybody has, um, has creativity in them. And I think that how it manifests itself is different with with everyone, you know, mm. but yes, I'm definitely planning on doing it again. In fact, like we've been talking, I mean, this is probably premature information, but we've been talking about having another course, like hopefully in June, um, definitely this summer, but yeah, we're going to, we're working on the logistics of that right now. So, um, so yes, definitely going to do it again. The we, the we're working on is the we you're talking about with, cause I remember when I uh, interviewed you for BioBuilder in January, you mentioned that you were looking at some synbio design or science design art course that you were a course or diploma that you were trying to develop uh, with people at Stanford. Yeah, it's not it's not a course or diploma per se. That project has turned into a magazine, which is very exciting because I think uh, the pandemic has been an interesting moment for all of us, you know, and I think that it's, it's sort of highlighted inequities around access to technology. And so a lot of the thinking around turning it into a magazine is, is just to be able to get it in the hands of somebody who wouldn't necessarily have access to, you know, reliable broadband as we do, you know, or access to a community lab or access to, you know, a friend who's a scientist. So the idea is just explaining basic concepts in synthetic biology in a format that is easy to access. It's not unlike Grow in a way, you know. Um, but yeah, so the project as a whole is a magazine that's geared towards, I think it's more geared towards middle school students, but it's all focused, it's called REP, R-E-P, <laughs> um, and it's all focused on emerging technologies. And the first issue that's coming out, it's slated to come out this summer. The focus is on bots. So it's like different types of like, you know, bots that you interact with in, in your daily life. And my issue is going to be the second one. So hopefully that will be, I mean, we're in a process right now where we're, we're beginning to review it. So like review the content and, uh, and so that's going to take some time. Next after that is it's going to go to the illustrator. So this is actually a project that I'm not going to illustrate, which is pretty exciting for me. <laughs> that's different. So it's more, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm actually like really excited about it. I mean, I've done, uh, in order to, to get the content ironed out, I've done a, a ton of preliminary illustrations just to kind of explain things to the illustrator and to the people who are reviewing it. Cause otherwise it's just, I feel like visuals help so much with synthetic biology. And that's actually what initially inspired me 
about being in Natalie's class that day was watching her draw a genetic circuit on the, on the board, you know? And I was like, oh, that's amazing. That looks so cool, you know? And I was so inspired. And I think, I think that is like the thread that has stuck with me throughout all of this is that to explain synthetic biology, visuals help so much. They help so much. hundred <laughs> percent. And I think we see that in, uh, in research as well, in terms of there's a lot more papers asking for graphical abstracts. Yeah. What are your, what's your message to designers who, you know, who may or may not be familiar with synthetic biology, if they want to illustrate, if they want to sort of be in their synbio design slash illustration uh, career, like what avenues can they explore what opportunity should they be uh should they look out for to enter or engage with this field yeah i mean that's a really really good question for me it was it was immersing myself within the field i think it might be a little bit easier for a designer now i think i i would say you know pick up biobuilder um pick up if you have the well i think you could pick up an amino kit and play with that like get like a a canvas kit from Amino and play with that. That's um, what we use in our bio art class. I mean, take a bio art class, you know, <laughs> go to some lectures, read books, watch videos, pick up a copy of Grow. You know, those, those things didn't really exist when I started getting interested in synthetic biology. I think there's just a lot more to, to work with now than there was previously. So that's there's, great. There's definitely increased accessibility to Synbio. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, which is, which is really great, which is very important. Uh, I think, which is, you know, something that iGEM has always strive, strived for as well. It's fostering that open community. Yeah. Another thing too, like join an iGEM team, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's a great, join an iGEM team and go to iGEM and look at the poster sessions and, you know, walk through the posters with a friend that, that, knows the science really well. That's invaluable. Um, I remember doing that with uh, Sarah Richardson at Microbuyer and, and, and Nicola Patron as well. And just kind of listening to them talk about the research that's on the posters and, and it just, it makes it so much more interesting. And, and it's funny how, you know, the more you talk about it, the more you listen, the more you play with it, you really begin to learn a lot. And that's really exciting. 